Welcome to What Am I Rolling, a twice-monthly RPG one-shot podcast, hosted by me, Fiona. This week, I'm joined by my friends Tristan, Noel, and extra special guest GM Rob from the Realm of Fire podcast for Numenera, a science fantasy tabletop role-playing game set in the far distant future, written by Monty Cook and published by Monty Cook Games. say there have been eight worlds before ours. Eight times the people of this earth over the vast millennia built their civilizations, reaching heights we cannot even fully imagine now. They spoke to the stars, reshaped the creatures of the world, and mastered form and essence. They built cities and machines that have since crumbled to dust, leaving only their barest remains. This is the ninth world. The people of the prior worlds are gone, scattered, disappeared, or transcended. But their works remain in the places and devices that still contain some germ of their original function. The ignorant call these magic, but the wise know that these are our legacy. They are our future. They are the Numenera. You can find out more about Numenera and buy your own copy on the Monty Cook Games website. That's montycookgames.com. I'll add links to it on the What Am I Rolling website and in this episode's show notes. Just a quick note here, we are playing an adaptation of the adventure Beneath the Pyramid, which can be found in Weird Discovery's 10 Instant Adventures for Numenera. If you're looking to play this adventure and don't wish to be spoiled in any way, stop listening just now and come back when you're ready. So here's how Numenera works. Numenera uses the Cypher system, a hugely popular rule set that powers other well-known RPGs, such as Vert, which we've played on this podcast before. Lauded for its elegance, ease of use, flexibility and narrative focus, the Cypher system unleashes the creativity of GMs and players with intuitive character creation, fast-paced gameplay and a uniquely GM-friendly design. Our guest GM Rob does an amazing job of explaining the main game mechanics, so I won't go into too much detail about them here. The main thing to remember is this. When determining the success or failure in any kind of action, the GM assigns a difficulty to the task on a scale of 1 to 10, a 1 being extremely simple, whilst a 10 represents a Herculean task beyond the means of most mortals. Once the GM has assigned this difficulty, the rest is up to the players. The players must apply their skills and experience, tools and other advantages, aid from one another and other assets in order to reduce this difficulty. They can also focus a limited resource called effort to further lower the difficulty of actions really important to them. Once the player has reduced the difficulty as much as they're able to, they roll a d20. The target number they have to beat is equal to three times the difficulty set by the GM. A massive, massive thank you to our guest GM Rob for running Numenera for us. I've known Rob from a couple of RPG streams we've both played in, and he's been on before running Vert for us, and it was an absolute joy to have him back to run this particular game for us. Rob is one part of the Realm of Fire podcast, a podcast about hot Warhammer takes from two grown-ass middle-aged men. Their words, not mine. If you can handle scolding hot opinions on Warhammer 40k, Age of Sigmar, Age of Sigmar Soulbound, Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, Dark Heresy, and many, many more games, this is the podcast for you. Listen to the Realm of Fire podcast wherever you find podcasts. One last thing before we begin. Naturally, there are times in this one shot where the players and myself, mostly myself, get the rules wrong or forget something plot-wise. Whilst we always endeavour to stick to the rules wherever possible, at the end of the day, we all make mistakes. And what matters most is that everyone enjoys themselves. So, with all that out of the way, let's play Numenera. Numenera. This is a tabletop RPG, as uh, all the games are on your on uh, What Am I Rolling? Correct. Uh, a game set in the very, very, very distant future. We are set in on Earth a billion years in the future. It's not post-apocalyptic. It's post, 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 post-apocalyptic. It's referred to as the Ninth World because there have been eight 
eons of human occupation of this planet. And this is the ninth one. Not much is known of these previous eight. It's been sort of theorized that within that time, there was one eon where Earth was occupied by an alien force or occupation. In one eon, the ability to travel uh, through time was mastered uh, and then promptly forgotten. And in another eon, the ability to manipulate matter was discovered and also forgotten. So this is Earth in no way that we know it. The world is now a giant supercontinent, Pangea-like, and is covered in the detritus of these previous worlds. In a way, not in a post-apocalyptic, there's a mysterious shop over the hill, and it's a blockbuster. It's more, you will see that hill, and actually it turns out that that hill is the body of an ancient machine that stopped working 10,000 years ago, but the generators are still thrumming, and it is currently full of creatures that have been bioengineered by a roving band of nanites that have gone, you know, crazy and started melding people together. So this is a very science fantasy world. I think touchstones would be things like Jack Vance's Dying Earth, Gene Wolfe's um, Book of the New Sun, Adventure Time. Adventure Time is very Numenera-like, that kind of weird extra world forward. So it's very fantastical. It's very horrific. There is a lot of body horror, but I can't see that coming up in this uh, adventure particularly. Uh, we're going for a nice, a nice one. And really, what do you need to know about it? You are a group of free explorers who will know each other. You are all members of an organization known as the Amber Gleaners, and they are the sort of investigators of the world, the Indiana Joneses, where your sort of role within the group is to explore these ruins of previous lives, find the technology or the Numenera, as it is known, and retrieve it, find out what it does, sell it, pass it on, search for it for knowledge's sake, search for it for money's sake. Either way, it's about exploring and investigating, and that is the crux of Numenera. You generate experience through exploration, not through combat, discovering you are encouraged to put your hand in that hole that you see um, and see what's at the other end of it. It's very unlikely it'll be an orb of destruction, but just put your hand in anyway and see what you find. I'll do a quick run through of the rules and then each of you can introduce your characters and we will move on. So the rules of Numenera are particularly simple, why I like it as a game. It's run on what's called the Cypher system. All you need to know at a base level is that everything in this game has a value of one to 10. So I always use the example of a door. I might say there's a level three, well, I probably won't tell you the level, but I'll say there's a door in front of you, and I know it's level three. If you want to kick that door open, you need to pass a level three check. If you want to pick the, the lock of that door, it's a level three check. If you want to charm the door so that it opens because this door is sentient for some reason, it's a level three check. It's as simple as that. When you want to know what you need to roll, you look at the task difficulty and then you times it by three, and that is what you need to roll equal to or over on a D20. So that level three door would require a nine or more on a D20 to kick open, to pick the lock off, or to charm. But I hear you cry. What happens when it's level seven? You can't roll a 21 or more on a D20. The characters in the Cypher system are able to bring that level down, that task difficulty down. That's how the players have agency. And this can be done in a number of ways. If you've got an appropriate skill, if you had the skill door kicking, you could say, Rob, I've got the skill door kicking. Does that apply? And I would say, yes, that definitely does apply. So that level three task becomes a level two task. Brilliant. If someone wants to help you out, that drops it down by another level. Two of you are kicking at the door. That would down, bring it down to level one. You might have a bit of equipment that seems absolutely perfect for it. The classic example being you're wanting to climb and you've got ropes and count and, you know, I can't remember the names of them, spikes, big metal spikes, I might say. Kittens. Thank you. Uh, that gives you an asset, so you drop down one level. The only bit of the system that's a bit complicated, I find, is you've got three pools. You have might, speed, and intellect. They are there to let you spend points to put a bit of effort in. If you really want to do something, you can spend three points from the appropriate pool. So you might say, I want to kick down the door. That's a might check. I'm going to spend three points, and that drops a level down by one. Now, I do need to warn you about that, because those pools are also your hit points. So the more that you expend doing things, 
the more tired you're going to be, the, you know, it, it's a drain on you physically. So if you put a load of effort into everything you do, and then you walk into a combat, there's a good chance you're just going to fall over. So they are a resource to be spent as and when. But I will give you guidance. This is a first-time game, nice, easy one. I will give you guidance on when it might be appropriate to spend points and when not. To begin with, I will tell you the levels of things. I'll probably say this is a level three task, this is a level four task. When we get into about the second half, I'm going to stop doing that. And that's when you have to start making judgment calls about when to spend effort and when not to. I'll give you clues. I'm not going to, you know, if I say this gigantic dragon is heading towards you, you might think that's probably a high level. <laughs> that's probably, you know, <laughs> and then I'm like, no, it's level one. Ah. Um, so I will be fair in that way. You all have abilities that often cost a point or two uh, to use. They're usually quite self-explanatory, but if they're really not, just let me know and I will explain it to you. Combat is done exactly the same. The, the, an enemy will have a level. That's what you need to roll to hit it, and that's what you need to roll to avoid its attack. It's as simple as that. The GM never rolls a dice in Numenera. It's entirely on you. So it's very player-driven. And that is honestly all you need to know at the moment. I would like you to introduce your character, your name, and every character in Numenera is constructed from three parts, your descriptor, your type, and your focus. And that gives you a nice little sentence that you can roll off the tongue and gives you a good beat of who your character is. So starting with Ridge Ferrante. Ferrante, you can choose how to pronounce It's your character. Hello. I'm Ridge Ferrante. I'm a curious archist, and I act without consequences. I just do what I like. I'm a member of a secret society, but shh, I don't tell people that. It's on the, it's on the low low. Um, and I'm Kristen playing. <laughs> oh, spoilers. Who are you? Who are you? <laughs> Who was that mysterious man? And for the uh, non-Numenera players out there, an Arcus is the equivalent of like a diplomat or a speaker, uh, someone who can talk their way out of trouble. Okay, uh, next we have Red Yoro. Yoru, Yoru, you choose, you choose. Uh, all right, hello, I am Red Yoru. Yes. I'm a clever jack who works the back alleys. Basically, I'm a little bit rude and a little bit way. But, uh, I'm trying <laughs> to go straight these days. We'll see how that goes. Yes. I like how it's a billion years in the future and somehow Cockney Wide Men have survived. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, yes, uh, a jack is a jack-of-all-trades. The closest D&D equivalent would be a rogue, but literally jack-of-all-trades. A little bit woo, a little bit way, a little bit shh. And finally, we have... Well, I don't know how to pronounce that, right. so I'm going <laughs> to let Fiona do that. So my name is Oril, and I am a graceful glaive who exists partially out of phase. So whether or not I'm guessing, I'm sure Rob will tell me more about this, but I like the idea of just constantly shimmering. If we had like, if we take a picture, like a family portrait, I'm constantly blurred and they're like, just stand still. I'm like, I'm trying. Like, <laughs> just uh, sort of a very serious, stony faced woman. But you, again, just that whole, oh, I like the idea again, that whole shift where, you know, when it's like a matrix style, one of the agents mm -hmm. going back and forth a little bit like that as yeah. well. I think this is a, a, a almost like an affliction that you can't quite control. Okay. And there's times when, do you remember when you used to have a mouse that you drag and it'd leave a trail of mice behind you on, oh, the, on yes. the screen? That would, if you lose control, occasionally that effect can happen. Constantly turning around, like very like 80s music video style. Fantastic. <laughs> um, and a glaive is the equivalent of a fighter slash warrior slash barbarian slash punch punch. So yes, punch punch punch. punch. Yeah. So that is our team mm -hmm. uh, you are all members as i mentioned earlier of an organization called the amber gleamers and you have been sent on an expedition you are to go to the south of the sort of civilized part of the world which is known as the steadfast to the cold desert of Mathunis, to the settlement of codron and from there then travel to a ruin known as the black pyramid that has recently manifested itself in the desert Basically, Bamagleans want you to go have a look. You're the forward team. So whatever you can find in there, come back with a bit of recon. Does this always happen that something like, because like, a black pyramid just seems to just phase in. Is that, is that a normal occurrence, can I ask, <laughs> as a non-Numenera player? <laughs> there is nothing normal in Numenera. Okay. <laughs> I think that is, that is what to consider. A black pyramid phasing into existence. It's not a normal Tuesday. Okay. But yeah, but you, 
you know, things phase in and I mean, you literally phase in and out of existence sure. as we are talking. So, uh, yeah, you know, um, it's very, I was about to say one of the worst things I've ever said there. It was very tiny wimey. And then I almost hurt myself because <gasps> Matt Smith was the worst doctor. Okay. So, um, well, wasn't it David Tennant that said tiny wimey? Yes, he was. Yeah. Oh, either of them terrible. You have arrived at the town of Codron and this is a, low-lying settlement made up of sort of white painted adobe buildings think a uh, tunisian sort of settlement or moss Eisley from star wars that kind of lie low-lying desert building the desert it lies in mifunis is known as the cold desert as an incredibly cold wind blows from the south over a rather large ice wall um, over the desert, freezing uh, the whole area. And as you arrive in Kodron, you can see that there's the town, and then probably about uh, about half a mile away, bit, but maybe a bit closer, is a huge racetrack that's been dug into the uh, into the into the desert. Very Circus Maximus from Rome or uh, Star Wars Pod Racer um, from those films that shall not be named, but that uh, that exists out of side of Codron, and it looks like the races are on. As you cross the final hill, the final dune, to see Codron, you can see dust clouds and crowds have gathered at the races, and you can see tiny specks of creatures racing round and round and round, and the whole town appears to be there. There are banners, uh, there is music blaring, fireworks being shot into the air. What do you want to do? But this is your first. This is your first encounter. I should say, in the very, very far east, shimmering, you can see the faint outline of a hovering black pyramid. Just, it's going to be a couple of days' walk away, but you can see it because of desert being very flat. Did you say it was hovering? <laughs> Sorry, did I not mention that? No. It's a hovering black <laughs> pyramid. <laughs> Oh, oh. Pyramid. That changes everything. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going home. No. <laughs> First thing we arrive while we're on top of this hill, I'm going to look at this city and this racetrack and I'm just going to go, oh my God, this is the ugliest city that I've ever seen. And I was told it would be tropical. I packed my swimsuit. It is freezing. It is really cold. Aurel, what is this? What is this? <laughs> I like the idea that Aurel and Red Yor Yoru are dressed up properly. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, what were you thinking? I You're not going to get your swim trunks out in this weather. Mm. I thought there would be a sun. I thought there would be water. I thought that you know there would be something to do. Not everyone would watch around the wheels and be like, oh, circle, circle. That's not interesting, Red. Desert doesn't always mean warm. It can be, can be cold. Read the small print. I, I fancy it. A little bit of a flutter at the races. I don't know about you guys. I mean, I guess there is nothing better to do in this small forsaken city. We will just go to the trip. It is fine. I'm not mad. Okay. The three of you make your way down. It is a quite ugly city, actually. The the three of you are from, as I say, a more civilized region of the world known as the Steadfast. You are now stepping into what is known colloquially as the beyond, which is sort of the uninvestigated areas. And this isn't, yeah, it's not particularly pretty, but as you get closer, the three of you are immediately sort of taken up in the festivities. You feel that kind of like cheer. There's families, there's crowds. As I say, there's fireworks going off. I'm picturing um, in Rise of Skywalker when they go to that festival of the life and there's, there's yeah, lots of lots of colours and, and lights and everything. And the races are... <laughs> you, know, you, you can feel it as you approach the, the vibration as you get closer. And as you get closer, you can see what's being raced. Giant insects, sort of big six-legged, rather large beetle creatures, which you all know as uh, rockamoles. They are just sort of popular race creatures um, around this part. And you can see you've never seen them in person. You've heard of them. And they're going at a hell of a pace. As you get closer, you're actually approached by a rather tall, well-built person by the name of Godra. They come towards you, extend a hand. They are wearing a suit of armor that almost looks insectoid in its in, in the uh in its design and they have a axe which is sort of hovering alongside them as they come towards you they stride towards the three of you and extend a hand out to red yarrow i'm gonna say 
not in a I'm ignoring uh, Ridge and uh, Orilway, just Red, you appear, you're just, you're the one at the, at the, at the front. Uh, and yes, they uh, they extend their hand to you. Well, you know, it'd be rude not to uh, return the favour, so I extend my hand back, give him my meatiest handshake. Okay. <laughs> impress upon him my, uh, my strength and uh, ability. Yes, your meatiest handshake is not enough. There is that, there is that moment of, oh, ooh. and yes, they introduce themselves to Gordra. Hello, you, uh, you're from the uh, Ambergleaners, I believe. Yeah, yeah, we are, we are. We just, we saw all the action down here and thought we'd come and uh, check out the, the action after a bit of a, see what the betting action is. I see you're, you're racing Rockamons. I know, I know a thing or two about them. Got any tips? I, unfortunately, as the justice of the peace in this area, I'm not allowed to make any uh, bets nor tips. We uh, see the badge flutter now. <laughs> <laughs> However, I've uh, been told to lead you to the uh, the mayor of the town, Hayef, with it on that, just immediately just turn on their heels. Do you have any tips? Then they might have tips. <laughs> uh, uh, they immediately turn, uh, Gorda turns on their heels and heads away from you in a sort of follow me fashion. Uh, towards what looks like probably the VIP box. There's a, there's a raised platform and a little uh, VIP box. That's fun. I didn't want to shake his hand anyways. It's all right. I got his watch. Let <laughs> 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 this good. I will wear it until I switch my dominant. Can I buy oh, no, it? No, no, no. I'm not, I'm not getting out while he's still around. I'm going to make you all, this is our first roll of the game now. I'm going to make you all take a perception check. Now, I'm going to tell you it's level three. So you're going to need a nine or more on a D20. Before you roll anything, however, this is when if you have an appropriate skill, tell me, and that and I will say yes or no, and that would drop the level down. Um, if you want to put any effort in, it would come from your intellect pool. Now, there is one little mechanism I didn't tell you about, which is you might have an edge in one of your pools or maybe one or more of your pools. If you do have an edge, that's actually like a little inbuilt discount. So rather than costing three points to put effort in, it will cost two points it's that's the kind of that's your pool that you are particularly specialized at so when i do my role i have i'm skilled in both perception and detecting falsehood piercing disguises or illusions okay so perception will be you know you only have get one relevant skill but yes perception definitely comes into that good to know it's a level two task for yourself. Right. Who, who else is? Because I've got a couple that I think might be handy, but I'm, I'm not sure which one to use because I've got assessing or identifying danger and lies or assessing, but I think uh, uh, Ridge might already have that covered. And then I've got assessing quality and importance. And then I've got assessing function and power. Um, No, I'm going to be a bit mean there and say okay. none of them do apply Fine. That makes my decision easy. I'm not going to use any of them then. All my skills are based in fight and speed. I don't oh, look yes. anywhere. So I... Oril <laughs> <laughs> so... falls down a hole. Yeah. Um, Oril's wearing, like, uh, sunglasses or something. <laughs> so... Um, so, yeah, it would be a straight roll from Oril, who all this time has deliberately... It's not someone of many words, but it's, like, just constantly looking really fucking cool at the back, and it's just following what these two do. And, if, you know, and if anything, will if... Um, Rye sort of moves moves ahead and, and like wait like handouts whilst like children or something rush by like woo it's like go <laughs> like that's that's the plan but yeah it will just be a straight roll from uh, Oril brilliant so if it's a straight roll which I believe it is for Oril and Red Yoro it's a nine or more on a d twenty and for Ridge it is a six or more on a d twenty no ooh seventeen. 17, fantastic. Ridge, did you score a one? I got a one. Fantastic. <laughs> so, yes, there are criticals and there are fumbles, effectively. Um, in, in the cipher system, they're known as intrusions. These are normally a way to generate XP, but in this case, if you roll a one, I get to put an uh, intrusion into this, and you don't get any XP for it. Just something bad happens. So I'm going to ask Ridge to roll me a D6, please. D6, okay. I would say Aurel tries to help, but she got a two, so no. <laughs> I got the three. Fantastic. Could you minus three shins from your money, your oh, no. money, please? 
uh, you were so perceptive, you missed the child picking your pocket. Fuck. <laughs> However, Red Yoro, you see what you were meant to see. Um, and as you're sort of heading to the VIP area, just sort of a little bit closer to it, there's a little bit of excitement in the crowd. Not, not, um, not like uh, danger or anything, but voices are going up a little bit, and there's like uh, there's there's um, then people are gathering almost like you know when you could half hear someone excited in the pub, but you're not sure if they're about to kick off or not. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what you can hear, and it's at sort of the foot of the VIP bit. So, yes, you can either follow up onto the VIP bit and go meet the mayor, or you can just go and poke your head and see what's going on there. Shall we check out this kerfuffle, guys? It might be a celebrity. It might be an autograph in it. What do you reckon? Let's go. Okay, that is exactly what it is. As you make your way through the crowd, you have the ability to sort of push your way through. Um, it's like you're at a bar with students, so you just get them elbows. out of the way. Always yeah. elbows first. <laughs> I know how to work a crowd. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you get to the front, and yes... Sat on a rockamole is a rather dashing bar. chap. Of what? Sorry, he's in the bar on this on this creature. Or is it outside? No, I was comparing it to pushing through students at a bar. Yeah, it's oh, very easy I'm sorry. To do. I thought we were now in the bar, and this no, is no, just no, this no. asshole essentially has <laughs> come in on that steed. Okay, sorry. No, sorry. Yes, you push in um, and sat on a rockamole, which is painted. This beautiful crimson colour, it's almost like they've painted the carapace of the creature, is an incredibly dashing guy. He's obviously a rider, but he's in the most flamboyant outfit you've seen. And in fact, has not only painted on the side of his rockamole, but stitched into his clothing what you would assume to be his name, which is Yolus. And he is holding court amongst everyone. There are people trying to to get autographs and he's uh, he, he's obviously just come off the track being victorious he's sort of holding court with all these people and as he sees the three of you push through as amber gleaners you do have a sort of identification badge it's a small circle you there amber gleaners to the front to the front and beckons you towards him prick under my breath <laughs> okay all right, Oral, don't, don't, don't kick it off just because he's a bit of an arse. Just give him a chance. Hate him. Hate him already. Okay. When I walk up, can I, like, walk right in front of him, kind of turn around and cross my legs and sit on his lap and be like, Yolus, and give him a hug? Yes, you absolutely can. As you do, there's, like, a moment where he is a bit like, oh, but then realizes this would be quite a good like photo opportunity, <laughs> so he uh, he then goes with it and uh, sort of does it, hugs you back, and it says, "Oh, one of our one of our friends, you know, from the from the uh, from the steadfast," and then immediately puts his hand on your chest and just sort of pushes you away in that kind of like <laughs> hug. But that's enough now. I think you might have got this guy pegged or on actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. And then. Reaction. Uh, he dismounts from uh, the rockamole. It's very like lands, and you didn't realize that underneath his clothes, he's obviously got bells sewn into uh, a lot of the clothing. So he sort of jangles as he lands. So you can imagine you when he's know where he is. <laughs> you can imagine when he's racing. It's a it's a it's a noise. Horrible. Uh, <laughs> just like the point out at this point, there are people recording this on their phones because there's kind of audio version of Instagram in this version of the. Uh, the ninth generation in there. This is a, this is a real moment. It's known as the data sphere in this, which is a, a sort of alternate dimension that so we would most closely recognise as the internet. But yes, definitely, there are tiny floating cameras going about, sort of like whipping around and taking photos and whipping off or scanning it rather than doing like a selfie. What it will, they will do is they'll scan the 3D representation so that someone later in the data sphere can go and interact with the 3D representation. Uh, so, yes, this is definitely going on uh, all around. There's very much a buzz. And uh, Yolus comes towards URL and sort of puts a hand on oh, your shoulder. Don't fucking touch me. <laughs> as, as it's coming in and you say that, he... I wouldn't. Of course, of course, yes. Um, I apologise, I just assume people want to touch me. And he... um, That is rude. That is (laughs) ignorant. How dare you assume something like that? Um, That's from the diplomat of the group. That's from the diplomat, yes. 
come enjoy you know another successful race for Yolus. Follow me, and he heads towards the VIP section as well. I, I turn to uh, Red, Red, and I go, "Did he just refer to himself in the third person?" I'm afraid so. I'm oh. afraid so. But he's he- he's heading for the VIP area. I, I, you know, just pickpocket in heaven in there. <laughs> I'll have a bit of that. Right. Although you did, you did persuade me to go straight, so I need I need you to watch me and make sure that I don't I don't I'll, stray too I'll, far. I'll keep you in my sights, but I mean, I might be blinded by this much bullshit happening in this VIP that if something goes awry, I think I'll be fine. I'll let you off this once, Red. All right, cheers, cheers, mate. So Yolus bounds up the stairs and sort of at the top of the top of them turns and addresses the crowd, almost like a Roman senator, and uh, declares, Yolus is here, and uh, heads, <laughs> heads into the uh, into the main bit. I'll then turn to, to, to Ryan and I go, don't get any ideas about referring to yourself in the third person. <laughs> do I look like I would do something like that? No, I am more... You are more very impressionable. I'm not impressionable, okay, Raj is the least impressionable person that I know. You're also very defensive about okay. criticism. <laughs> so that is valid. Okay. I will only from you will I accept that. Okay. Three of you follow him into the uh, sort of it's 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 like a pavilion that's been set up. The stairs open and there's a curtain you go through, and then there's the the seating area where the VIPs can watch the racing. With sort of there's there's like a veil set up so the VIPs can see out without people being able to look in. You know, it's kind of obscured a little bit. And as you come through the curtain, Yolus is there and he is just sort of sat completely splayed out on one of the chairs with a bottle of something. And the first thing he says as you step in, he goes, fucking hell. Oh, that was a lot. That was a lot. And he, he's, he's just completely changed countenance. The showman is gone. All his, his, his bright clothes are just dumped on the floor. And he's literally wearing like the equivalent of a loincloth. Um, and he is at, he looks absolutely like knackered. He's almost like he's come off and done five rounds like in a boxing match kind of thing. <laughs> uh, and he's just like, oh my God, you're right there. As you step in, get a drink, sit down. Mayor will be here in a second. All right. Yeah, this is a this is a new side to you. So was that what's with the performance? Is that are you destined to win this race? Is it is it a fix? If people want to see me do that, and you know they'll pay money, but I can't do it all day. So it's a lie. It's a act. That sounds like a lie. <laughs> I have to say, you came across as a prick, but now I have a little bit of respect for you that you're not completely like that. He stands and with that, with a smile, and says, "No, I am a prick." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I still respect you. I was, I was right to say, anyone who pretends to be like that is even more of a prick. Than <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a choice now. Um, from the other side of the pavilion, the, the curtain flutters and Gorja steps in and uh, with them is a lady on a sort of, almost like imagine a metallic disc that's hovering and she's sat on it. So it's not a full hover chair or anything. It's just a small disc that hovers in that she is sat on, if that makes any sense. And uh, as uh, Gorgeous sees the three of you are now here, they sort of nod at um, Yolus in a kind of mm, way. And then it says, ah, the Ambergleaners, may I present Hyaphen, the mayor of the town. And Hyaphen gives you the biggest smile, very Miriam Margulies style um uh just like very warm and embracing and says oh you've come to codron finally the little town will get some recognition oh my god i love you is there is there room on your disc may i sit with you and i'm <laughs> absolutely not <laughs> all right Ray. you can't sit on everyone what is it with the laps, Ridge? What is it with no, the No, not on her lap, but on the disc so we can talk like I would be on the left. Practically would be on her lap. <laughs> it would be on her lap. She is very much, like, sat like... Oh, I'm doing a fun like little a thing. tiny bar stool. That's what I'm imagining. Yes, you yes. Imagine a bar stool without the legs and it hovers <laughs> with you. Which, why has no one invented that? Um, <laughs> so I like, I like your hovering. Is that... Uh, is that the same over in the you used to get the pyramid up? Oh, the the pyramid. You're here. You're here for the pyramid. The reference to the pyramid 
she then realizes you're not here for Kodra and you're here for the pyramid. And there's sort of a moment of just like, oh, no, we we haven't looked at the pyramid yet. You know, we're hoping we can make something of it. Maybe, um, you know, if someone would investigate it and we can find out if it's safe, then maybe, you know, it'll become part of our little, you know, uh, society here. But no, we haven't haven't been to the pyramid, not not yet. If it's over in, maybe you could tow it over here, claim yeah. it, like a tourist attraction. Absolutely. The, 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 the Pyramid of Codron. Oh, I like that, yeah. You know, we could, we could investigate that for you. We just need to know what you will give us. Well, she won't give you anything. You've been directed by the Amagleaners to go and have a look at it. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't know that. We'll, we'll take this pyramid off your hands, no worries. Yeah, yeah. Well... To be honest, I'm more interested about the sort of ruins under the pyramid. That's where my personal interest lies. You see, there was a city, and then there was the pyramid. And that might be old Codron under it. And it would be quite interesting if you could find out about that. That would be something we could definitely... Um, and she's trying to not say the words financially exploit. She's trying to, you know, find a way around that. <laughs> but, like a uh, museum! Like a museum, like a living museum. Imagine old Codron. Yes, that's a very good idea. Mm. People must be sick of your racetrack. You need something that the city's going to see. Oh, the racetracks are very popular. And that she takes a bit of offense. That's, 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 that's well, I mean, Yolus here is kind of a, he's kind of, you know, a, a character. From the corner, you hear a quite loud, <laughs> and Yolus stands up with a bit of, Sick on his mouth. And sorry about that. Good grief. <laughs> God, I can't believe I floated with him. Uh, if you're quite proud of the uh, races, have you got any tips? I'm, I'm gagging for a tip here, mate. I'm, uh, I'm guessing your less is out. burning a hole in my pocket here. Your best bet, wait till the last race of the day. Yolus will be out of his mind on the local brew, then bet on him. You'll get the best odds. Wait, you're saying a drunkard would win the last race? At that, Yolus suddenly flashes into his acting, says, Not a drunkard, Yolus! <laughs> so, wait, wait, my other question is you have an old version of this city that you don't know what happened to it, and yet you're within at least three or four miles of the old city. Is that not a problem in case this city becomes an old city very quickly? Well, I hadn't really thought of that, but no, no, I mean, no. We, we've always thought it was a victim of the Iron Wind. So, a little bit of background here. Let's uh, step back. The Iron Wind is a phenomenon in the world of Numenera, in the Ninth World. It is a giant cyclone or a dust storm or even a tsunami that breathes across the world, composed entirely of nanites. If you are caught in the Iron Wind, it's one of the worst things that could happen to you. In a matter of seconds, you'll be rendered down into whatever matter you were composed of and then reconstructed into something else, and you might still be alive. It's an absolutely awful fate. Um, the most sort of valuable Numenera you can find is something that can redirect the Iron Wind or contain it or produce a, you know, a force field. And most cities will have a way of preventing the Iron Wind from sweeping over because it can just wipe out continent it can wipe out the whole cities in one go um and so you are very aware of this as characters that have lived on this world this is just something you as much as you three know about the rain on the planet earth you would know about the iron wind in, in on the ninth world so d does that wind happen fairly often i will we see it in this one shot if we in this one shot <laughs> Behind the curtain, yeah. no. Okay. Behind the curtain, no. <laughs> okay, it's, so it's not, not like as regular as rain, but it's like once in... It's about as close as you would know about uh, flooding, like extreme right. flooding. Okay. It happens, you know about it, you may never experience it, or you may. Natural disaster. Yeah, yeah no, natural disaster, yeah. Okay. yeah exactly that. That makes it's... a lot more sense than me yes. just going, oh, God, <laughs> these cities are getting raised every other day. We checked the nanite forecast for today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've been, yeah exactly. turned into, I've been like, yeah, it's very nasty. You can be sort of, like, broken down and then rebuilt, but you're half in the floor, but you're still alive, and it's, it's you know, it's not good. It's a bad way to go. Nasty. Yeah. Um, so, yes, back to you. So you are aware. When she refers to the Iron Wind, you are well oh. aware of Makes sense. So, I think so that the pyramid, did the city get ruined and then the pyramid appeared 
Or did the pyramid appear and then the city got ruined? The city was ruined. They were old ruins. They've been out there for some time. And then this pyramid appeared about, and then she looks at Godra, and Godra says, three weeks, ma'am. About three weeks ago. (laughs) (laughs) Basically. Also, sorry, I didn't clarify. Is this pyramid like a a stood-up pyramid or is it an upside-down pyramid? Who wants a little picture of a pyramid? I would love to see a picture of a pyramid. For the viewers at home, I am now presenting, for the viewers, for the listeners at home, I am now presenting a picture of the pyramid to... As we look uh, outside the window. To the players, and then they can explain what it is. That is... Well, that's not ominous at all. (laughs) I believe I've stayed in that in New Las Vegas. (laughs) Yes, it is the Luxor Hotel that uh, is hovering above the ruins. A, A typical Egyptian pyramid raised off the ground, made of pure black material. But because from what I see in the picture, not only does it look like pure black, like you can't see the brick to brick, is if you see like in it, it kind of looks like a reflection of the clouds. Like it's a reflective pyramid. It's got a sheen. Yeah. It's got a sheen. It's also fucking massive. It's huge. It's really much bigger than I thought it was. (laughs) If it's more Mark Flagrid, I ain't going nowhere near Because it does look a bit more mighty from, from a distance. Not after last time. We, we, you can use Codron as a base as much as you want to investigate, but if you could, you know, have a look around and bring back some information, that would be, that would be just fantastic. So has anyone, it's been there three weeks, have you not, has anyone had a go yet? Has any? Yeah. No, it's terrifying. <laughs> it's absolutely terrifying. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Plus, we had the races to arrange, so no. Oh, we, uh, you, we were waiting. You knew we were coming, so we thought, why waste any of our? Why waste any locals on it? Right. We've got a couple of outsiders. Exactly. There's a good chance the Amberglinas sort of were in contact to be like, "Don't worry, we'll investigate this." So you've been, you know, your your hands off. It's yes, us. hands off for a little bit as well. Yeah. Okay. No. Yeah. So I have an idea. We can look around during the races and it'll be good. It'll be memorable. We'll have times, even though like the cities. And then you will announce that we are going to the pyramids and everyone will know. So it'll be a big attraction, you know, bring in the shins, like the the coins, the coins. And then you'll us here as this uh, city hero who apparently wins all the races, even though he is plastered somehow will escort us to the pyramid as this grand hero. And then we will come back with news of culture and treasure. And you can be like, oh, look what our racers did. We will hold another special event where we will take our people's money so that we can build more pubs for the tourists who come by expecting beaches who now need something to do. Perfect. Yeah. What a great plan. That's why he's the leader. Excellent plan, yes. I do think he is, I think, he, you know, you're saying he's impressionable. I think uh, Rollis is definitely rubbing off on him. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But, you know, I'll, I'll, let it, I'll let it slide this time, this once. He's not talking in the third person yet. <laughs> I'm going to say that's exactly what you do. Uh, I'm going to use that. That is a full-on montage. That is what you do. Red Yarrow, throw me 1d20, please. Oh. Okay, I will throw you. <gasps> that's fine. Now... Throw me a D6, please. Oh, and you want no. to get high. I, I do. I want to get high. <laughs> One. What are you doing? So after a couple of bets, in the end, you come up down at minus three shins. Okay. Not the end of the world. No, you don't make enough. any money, but unfortunately, you uh, come out at a loss. You win some, you lose some. The three of you spend the rest of the night enjoying the races, drinking the local brew, resting up after your long travel, and in the morning, you set off with Yorl to the Black Pyramid. Beautiful morning, bright blue skies, cold, freezing, freezing cold. Even Ridge has learned to actually put some clothes on at this point. Um, And the three of you, accompanied by an incredibly hungover Yorl, go out across the desert. Yorl's brought his racer with him. He's not walking. The three of you will have to walk, though, unfortunately. Uh, unless you want to spend whatever shins you have on maybe a uh, portable flotation device for your equipment or a probably a lot cheaper pack animal, just some creature. How much are they? How many shins have you got? I've 
No, how much are there? <laughs> well, I have I have nine pins. God's sake. I, I tell you what, throw me a D20, Oral. You're all. Oh, 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 oral. 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 Oh my god. <laughs> okay, that's like. Well. Yeah, we seem to be travelling with a, a, a Ural. I thought it was Dollars. <laughs> it's, it's, it's yeah. yeah. That's how I'm phasing in and out. That's that on a, me. That's on me. Dude, that's okay. Uh, that's a twelve. Twelve shins it will cost. If anyone wants to uh, do a little bit of arguing, it'd be an intellect check, maybe with assessed value as a, as a skill. Can I respond to that? Yeah, go for it. Listen, I understand that you want twelve shows, but we are also guests. We are contributing to the economy of the city, and we know Yolas, okay? And I have some gossip. Do you like gossip? If you cut down the price, the more you cut it down, the more deep gossip I'll give you. And I'm not going to give any spoilers, but... For the listeners at home, Ridge is miming, drinking, and throwing up. Drinking tea. I think he's trying. It's the tea. Oh, this is my impression of Yolas. He is like, oh, oh I am no. so great. I am go, go, go. don't know if that counts as gossip or a widely known fact. No, yeah. but I know other things. <laughs> he, he knows many things. Throw me an intellect check then, please, with things like any appropriate skills, such as bargain or charm or anything like that. I have persuasion and public speaking. Persuasion. <laughs> Persuasion's good. I will give you an impromptu <laughs> talk. If I use three points from my intellect pool, I get... Another level down. Yeah. Okay. But I have an edge, so I only need to use two points. Perfect. I'm going to use two points, so my cool. pool is going from 16 to 14. Sure. And... And your skills. You knock it down by two levels. I got a seven. <laughs> perfect. That's absolutely perfect. Seven, seven's more than enough. Um, it was level three, so you knocked it down to level oh, one. Good you job. Need three or more. Yeah, you can um, knock a task down to zero and make it automatic. That is perfectly viable. There isn't a you must always roll. It's a very player friendly game, Numenera. It's designed to let players actually do stuff. Uh, great. Yeah, you get it with your impassioned plea and uh, persuasions. You get it for six shins. Basically, imagine a ostrich, but with the head of a velociraptor uh, as a baggage animal. And so you can you can hook your explorer packs onto that, and that will carry them for you. And who's paying? Uh, a real Umi. I'll chip in three if you chip in the other three. Yes, I have nine right here, and I count my money, and I'm like, I only have six. Oh, I was yeah. robbed. <laughs> I was robbed. Oh my gosh, we need to talk with the police. I think they've long gone at this yeah, point. Yeah, long gone, mate. You, it, it's gone. Just, just you, you got to eat that one. Yeah, yeah. Come yeah. on, we've got a black pyramid to be investigating. Can't be worrying about three bloody shins. We'll, yeah. we'll get, we'll get them later. Those, those rapscallion children. Later, yes, they will pay. The, they will pay well, dearly. They'll repay. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <sighs> with interest. Sure. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna give the three shins and as i give them i'm going to say yola is cheating on his wife you should spread that around this hasn't come up yet but <laughs> yola has a husband i would step in going this is obviously unconfirmed rumors you'd understand <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but need to know basis yeah. <laughs> no basis but start telling people Anyway, that was the past. We we cut now, and you are you are crossing the desert with your pack beast. Are uh, you going to give it a name? Oh yeah. Well, so what are we going to call our ver- Veloster Stretch? We should call him Blue, so we have red and blue, and then we can be the purple trio. <laughs> blue is good for me. Bluey. Okay. Bluey. I hope this doesn't come back to bite us in any way, shape, or form. If we get another one, we can call it Kablooey. Kablooey. so the three of you make your way as you get closer the pyramid obviously looms larger above you and you start getting a better sense of the ruins below it it does look like it's almost as if someone has taken the cauldron that you know and then reduced it half in size in terms of like there's no roofs on the buildings it looks like a time-aged warm version of cauldron there's a couple of buildings that you notice that are even like, oh, I'm pretty sure that building is in Kodra now, but it's here in ruins, almost like an identikit version of it. The most striking of these are two towers, which um, 
rise from the center of the town and are the closest points to the actual Black Pyramid itself. In most cases, the gap is way too large to be able to sort of navigate. However, there's two towers that sort of almost brush the underside of the pyramid. So if you wanted to actually get in the pyramid, those two towers look like your sort of focus of your investigation. Like Kodron itself, uh, it is a walled city and there are three gates, uh, a north gate, an east gate and a south gate. No, west gate it would be. You are travelling east, so it would be the west gate and a south gate. Which gate are you heading towards? The closest is the west, obviously. The northern and the southern would require a little bit more travel because you'd have to go up or down. But it's up to you. Which gate do you want to head towards? And by gate, I mean a hole in the wall. Like, there's long gone away. There is no actual gate there anymore. It's long, long eroded. Uh, well, you know, is the south gate got the word Gareth above it by any chance? It's got, it's got a big waistcoat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think we'll just go for the easiest one. But obviously, keep on lookout, because, I mean... Yeah, I don't, it seems a bit... I don't like I don't like going for the easy option all the time. No, I know. You, you like the difficulty ones. I think we should go to the north gate, because in the north, it is warm, because the more south we went, the colder it got. I don't think the difference of 200, 300 metres or what yards, or... I mean, I'm not good with my distances... Uh, will make a difference to how cold or warm you are feeling, right? Well, 200 is a big number. It, I know, I can't believe I thought of it. Yeah, well, I'm proud of you. It's, it's worth a pen, you never know. I, I vote Northgate. Northgate, all right. Come on, Bluey. Yeah. <laughs> so, decision of the Northgate, you all just roll his eyes, and it's a oh, okay. I mean, he's doing no walking, but he he is he's still riding along on his rock and roll. He's not in his loincloth still, right? I just want to no, double- no, okay. he's wearing actually <laughs> just twice, like um... splayed across his poor yeah, beast. Yeah. No, he... I hope he didn't overhear us spreading gossip about him as well. No, he was <laughs> waiting <laughs> outside. Yeah. He has quite sensible clothes on. Neither his jangly bells nor his loincloth. He's wearing. Oh wearing my god, that yeah. would be fucking irritating. Just yeah. going. <laughs> 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 He's been quite sullen the whole way. I, I, you can imagine quite hungover. Did he As win he, the last race? He did. Yes, he did. Oh, congrats, mate. Yeah. Tell your face that, though. As he, as he made the decision to turn north, and he, he sort of groans again. Says, you know I'm not coming in that city with you, don't you? No. Well, I, I, yeah, I pretty much assumed you were just here for show. Basically, you were going to do the minimum amount of effort for the maximum amount of uh, payback. Yeah. Yes. That, that pretty much... On the nose, Red, I'm here for the for the publicity, and then I'm going to head back. Right, but you realise, though, if we find anything interesting or amazing in there, then you, there's us, finders keepers, and we... That's going to be the story. Yeah, and we'll, we'll share it, obviously, equally a third each, but if you come in with us, well, it could be a quarter, and you could have something. I have everything I need right here. And he puts his hand on his heart, and then slips his hand into his cloak and pulls out a hip flask. <laughs> right here. I'm fine. We just think how much more of that you could get with the uh, pyramid fortune. Yeah. Those those horse races, you know, you, you won, but I saw that you weren't quite you weren't quite dominating no. like you were. Maybe your best years are behind you. No, I don't want to speculate on nothing. He sort of sloshes it, and this is the same stuff you were drinking yesterday. And he just says, Do you know what this is made out of? I tend not to ask. Yeah, I, I believe rock and rolls are involved in some uh, <laughs> horrible way. Oh my God. That's the rock and roll that he's riding. Um, and you realise that from under it, at points there's been leakage and um, <laughs> rather like a racehorse, um, it has been producing a liquid. Oh, gosh, God. You've got an inexhaustible supply then. <laughs> I'm fine. You're drinking piss? We've all been drinking piss. Fuck. <laughs> all right. Well, when when people say get their rocks off, that's not what no, I thought. That's yeah, not what I mean. <laughs> it's a whole new look at that phrase, Red. <laughs> well, fine. If you want to stay outside, fine by us. It's one less person to worry about. Exactly. Well, come into the city for us. That way, if there is a wind or if it rains, you can just wait in the house. I believe that you deserve some comfort. Don't you think so? Do a persuasion check for me again, Rich. I want to see if you can actually... Look at his little face. 
three. Oh my god! <laughs> did you put any? Oh, you've got persuasion, haven't you? As a skill, yeah. Yeah, no, it doesn't work. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I'm gonna drop you off here. Take a image. And I'm heading back. And I'm going to bed. What? You're heading back too? You're not even going to wait for us? No. You'll get no publicity then. I'm going to take a photo. Or a, a picture capture. Well, I'm not taking a picture with you. I've already taken a few. Yeah, but not here. <laughs> By the time this disagreement <laughs> yeah. works its way out, you've reached the North Gate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is warmer here. This is nice. Leave it, mate. He's not worth it. He's not worth it. It's actually... You've got us. You've got us. I like you guys. I don't like him. No. What did I say before? Prick. That is true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get, get your impressions off of us. Not that, yeah. not that loser. <laughs> As you get to Northgate, you're now actually under the shadow of the pyramid, and there is an even further noticeable drop in temperature. Um, any light that would make it has been absorbed, and it is dark under here. There's, there's light obviously coming emanating from the side, but it is... You're in shadow, effectively, this whole time. Um, you notice that the lizards that live in the desert seem to be avoiding the the shadow edge as you approach, and Bluey actually gets a little bit, like, not hesitant. Yeah, a little bit hesitant, actually. Like, will come with, but obviously is a little bit upset by by the as you step under the shadow of the pyramid. Do we feel anything? Is there, a, is there like, a, a sensible change? Other than, obviously... It gets colder, but mm. is there like a? Um, do we feel like ooh, portal? It feels the the most noticeable is there's almost a sound dampening effect under here as well. Any noise of wind is sort of you would still expect to hear it because you know you're still in the desert, but there's and it's still there, but it's very there's like a it really does feel like a sound dampening effect under this. Noise cancelling, yeah. Noise cancelling pyramid. Okay, it's got it's got the bows. Yeah. Don't we see branding? Not see any branding. Yeah, it's just a giant picture of Dr. Dre. Yeah. <laughs> I've got three torches in my bag, mate, so I think we should we should spark them up. Yeah. Yeah, so these work as um they're quite useful. You almost like a small orb that you activate, throw it up in the air, and then it'll hover around you. So it casts a glow around you. Um a glow globe. Glow globe, yes, exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, they're quite useful because it means you don't have to worry about who's carrying the lantern and get bored. I have a um, do 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 two oddity items, and one's a small glowing orb on a silver chain that I keep as a lucky charm. Will that light up for me too? That, no, that is quite small. So oddities are a fun little thing. So I think I'm going to run through very quickly here as we enter an actual sort of more mechanical heavy element. You have ciphers and oddities. Ciphers are little one-shot things. They're kind of like magic items in some like Dungeons and Dragons, but they're very much one-shot. You use them once, they do what they do, then they dissipate. Oddities are more fun little things that don't really have a mechanical effect. They're just kind of fun. So in that case, while it is a little glowing thing, it's a, not a lot. It's not a strong glow at all, but it does glow. But yeah, you need to activate a glow globe in order to actually get the benefit of light. All right, well, I actually, yeah, three torches have two mini glow globes, so I can I can lend someone a glow globe. I've got glow globes. Yeah. Okay. Oral, I think, I think I, I know you, you set me straight, but I think you can look after yourself, so I'm going to lend me a glow globe to reach, if that's all right with you. Oh, that's fine by me. Fine by me. I think he needs it more than you do. I think he does. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me? I, 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 was just, I was just whispering to Oral, you didn't hear that. Oh. Oh. Glow globe, reach. I would, I would love one. You know, I appreciate how kind you both are to me all the oh. time and how you don't belittle me. Just throwing no. that out there. No, we think you're amazing, so don't worry about it. I did that a lot. Yes, you can even. Good job. So, most important question. Who's going first? Will our band of inept heroes make it through the ruins and solve the mystery of the hovering Black Pyramid? Find out next time on What Am I Rolling? 
the What Am I Rolling podcast was created, recorded, and edited by me, Fiona Howitt. This episode's players were Tristan, Noel, and Fiona. This episode's special guest GM was Rob, the Realm of Fire podcast. Listen to the Realm of Fire podcast wherever you find podcasts. This episode's RPG was Numenera, a science fantasy tabletop role-playing game set in the far distant future. Written by Monty Cook and published by Monty Cook Games. You can find out more about Numenera and buy your own copy on the Monty Cook Games website. That's montycookgames.com. The theme music was 8-Bit March by Twin Musicon of twinmusicon.org, licensed under a Creative Commons 4.0 license. If you want to find out more about the podcast, check out the website. That's www.wairpodcast.com. Fancy getting in touch? Email the podcast at whatamirollingpodcast at gmail.com. Finally, follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at wair underscore podcast for the latest news on upcoming episodes. And remember, adventurers need not apply. <laughs> <laughs>